All right, Adam, take it away. All right, guys, welcome to the producer files. This is a key part of the 100K challenge where we interview top performers throughout the industry and all over the planet. I'm super excited. We have Jordan Lewis with us today, a top one percenter and one of my favorite people on the planet. How are you, Jordan? I'm doing all right. Thanks for having me on, Adam. You bet, man. Hey, thanks for joining us. So um, let's get a little background on you. So just kind of summarize, for, for those of you who don't know, Jordan works in the alarm and smart home industry. So walk us through what you've done. Like, what did you sell your first year, second year, third year? How long have you been in the industry? Yeah, so this will, I'm going on my seventh year in the industry uh, selling alarms. Uh, my first year coming out ever, I didn't really have any experience with sales. Uh, my only kind of job growing up was, uh, I, was a, I was a male nanny. I was a manny. So that was about <laughs> all I had on my resume when I, when I sat down and got recruited. But, you know, I figured, hey, if you can make a lot of money and, and I can work hard, then uh, I'm all in. And so I went my first year, I did 124. Uh, 124 accounts. I say 124 because I did. I missed that 125 pay scale by one, which which is a little training for for another time. First year I did 124. Um, next year uh, I jumped up to 202, um, and then my third year I did 323, and then for the last four years consistently I've done over 300. So it was 100, 200, and then 300 for the last four years. That's amazing, man. Um, and for those who don't have context on what that means in the alarm industry, that's you know, using average alarm numbers, that's like basically Jordan is selling over a million dollars of product and service every summer. So yeah, that- and I would, say, I would say too, something that I, I loved about kind of the, uh, my personal trajectory and just kind of how the numbers match up with the pay scales is year one going out selling 124 was about 50K. Um, year two, it was about 118,000. Then year three, it was from then on, it's been 200 plus every single year. So it's just so cool for me to see as someone with no work experience, a job that year over year over year, I was able to hundred percent my income, which was really cool. Obviously. Yeah, that's so right. As a Manny, of course. So. <laughs> as a Manny. That's yeah. incredible. So what like, cause I know a lot of people The in my experience, the biggest thing that holds people back is just their own self perception. They look at top performers and they think that's them, but it's not me. So how, especially with your background, you know, it's not like you, you came into the industry, this like super stud that had all this experience. How did you like, how did you get to that point in your mind where you're like, yeah, I'll go sell 200 accounts. Yeah, I'll go sell 300 accounts. Cause I think a lot of people don't make those jumps like that. Yeah. I mean, I would say it comes down to just the decision that if you're going to do something, you might as well try to be the best at it. Now, by no means am I the best in my industry, but um, I try to hang with, I guess you could say the top one percenters. And um, I just think a lot of people get content where they're at or don't have the vision to see. Um, I come from a background where um, I come from a family of musicians. Um, And so I grew up, my mom's a music teacher, uh, you know, it's always been a big part of our family. And, and when I decided to pick an instrument, I happened to pick drums. And in order to become a good drummer, you have to kind of sit down on a drum pad as much as you want to go sit on the big drum set and, you know, beat around on it. You got to sit on a, a rubber drum pad and you got to go through what's called rudiments, just the really basic yeah. strokes, the singles, the doubles, the paradiddles over and over and over again. You got to beat on your craft. And so I guess even though I didn't have work experience, I did have experience of sitting down and going to the basics of a craft or an art and just beating on it over and over again until I became better. Um, And so I would say like, 
I'm not going to sit here and, and lie to you and say I'm the most naturally talented or gifted salesman, but I am one who is willing to, to grind out the nitty gritty rudimentary things of the job until I become better. And so, I mean, for me, it's just, it's, it's simple. If you're going to do something, why not try to be the best? Um, going back to your original question of what took me from 100 to 200 to, to 300 even, um, I just kind of took industry standards. And uh, I asked when I started out, I had, I had no frame of reference, no way to know like, well, what's good for our first year? And you know, it's, oh, 50 or 60 is great. And I said, well, what's like elite for a first year? Well, if any first year does 100, triple digits, you know, you're in a class of your own. So that was my goal. Um, my second year going out, I accomplished that feat. I did triple digits and I felt good about it. And then I remember my, my regional manager uh, coming to me and we were, we were at the company headquarters and we were filling up sodas at the drink uh, station. And, and I said, hey, I want to do 200. And um, he kind of he laughed because I was in school at the time. I didn't have any preseason. I wasn't going on any trips. I was very focused on school. Um, and he said, that's fine. Yeah, you could, you could totally do that. Most of my 200 account reps come out with 30 or 40 preseason, but go ahead. Um, then he <laughs> kind of lit a fire under me and he said, honestly, no one will take you seriously in this industry until you sell 200. And when he told me that, he said, okay, well, if I'm going to do this, I want to be taken seriously. And so I went out and did that. And then the next year it was just, well, I did 100 the first year, 200 the second. What's the next step? 300. So just always getting better. That's amazing. I mean, at that point you had that trajectory. So it's like, why not just add another 100 accounts? That's exactly how it was. And then, of course, I did implement some new things. I, I, I knew kind of the... Um, the algorithm I needed, I needed some preseason in order to get to that next level of 300. And I had graduated from, from college at that time. So I went on a few preseason trips. I was spending more time on the door. And I just ran the numbers and said, this is how many doors I need to knock. This is how long I need to be out there to sell 300 accounts. And, and that's what we ended up doing. I love that. Yeah, I, I love that you basically just set your target at the top. And we're like, you know, I'm new to this industry. I, I could say, yeah, I'll just do what average people do, but why not, why not try and hang with the best? And just to yeah. give context, so where do you wind up? Are you top 10 normally, top five? Yeah, I mean, my goal always within uh, the industry that I work is, is been top 10. The first year I did 300, um, I was number 12 in the company. I did 323, and that really bugged me because I was yeah. so close. Uh, so the next year I did 324. And ended up jumping up to the number nine spot. And then my third year, I ended up actually only doing 303, um, but I had a lot higher contract value quality accounts. And I ended up being number six in the company. So that's awesome. kind of went from 12 to nine to six. And I've been hanging top 10 since. That's cool. So just, just to give context, you know, in a company where there's thousands of sales reps, that puts you not in the top 1%, but like the top 0.1%. So that's yeah, and I'll, I, I will tell you, it is an absolute bloodbath in that, in that top 10, top 20. If you have one slow day, you better believe you're dropping three or four spots. <laughs> Frustrating thing ever because these guys are savages. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a bloodbath for sure. Do you feel like putting, you know, shooting for that top echelon and putting yourself in that top tier pushes you to perform at your best? Oh, yeah. And I think especially too, once it's, it's all about, not how you get there, but once you're there, then it's, it's maintaining that standard. And that's kind of what I hold myself to. My first year selling 300, I was fighting, scratching, clawing, working harder than ever just to, to break there, to expand my vision and see, you know, I can do this. And now it's more so than 
I know I can do it. I've been there. I've done that. Now it's about there's a precedent that's been set. There's a standard and I need to rise to that. I know I can do it. So it's, it's kind of tricky because in order to break the threshold on bigger numbers, sometimes you have to just go out and grind it out and hit those bigger numbers. And once you do it, it becomes easier and easier and easier. And now I don't even have a goal of 300. I just know this is my system. This is my routine. If I do this, 300 will come. It's it. Everyone wants to go out and sell 300 uh, alarm accounts. That's kind of a, a, a top tier status, but I don't think of it like that. I think I need to go out today and I need to sell one. And then when I sell one, I need to go get another. And then when I sell another, I go get another. And that's just, it's not about, you know, uh, the, the story of like building a big wall all at once. It's just laying one brick, one brick at a time as perfectly as that brick can be laid. Yeah, and that's, no, that, ma- that makes perfect sense. So it's like, you're at a point now where it doesn't even occur to you that you won't sell 300. Like that's just the expectation. You, you know, yeah. you're going to hit it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And even now where kind of responsibilities have expanded as my team's bigger, I have a lot a much bigger rookie class. My time is spread a lot more thin is the first year where it's like, I'm not, I'm spending a lot more time with others than I am on my own personal sales, but I still not a worry in the world when it comes to hitting my goals, because I know the system, I know what I need to do to get there. And I just implement that when I have the time to myself on the door alone. Well, I I think that's a really cool message because I think a lot of people, you know, looking at the next level above them, whatever that is, and the amount of work that it'll take to get there and the fear and anxiety that they have of shooting for that, not hitting it, like all the difficulty associated, it sounds like once you kind of punch through that barrier, now it's like, okay, I did it. Like, this is my new standard. This is my expectation. I know the process. I have the confidence. And it's not that you're able to coast because it's still a grind and it's still gnarly, but it, you don't have to repeat the same pain that it took you to get there because now you've gotten there okay. and you understand how to do it. Absolutely. You, you have to pay the piper first. You have to, exactly what you said, you got to break through that wall, that barrier, that mental block. And for me, just to put it in perspective, you know, it's easy for me to look back and say, yeah, I sold 323 my third year. But what a lot of people don't see from that is that I was going to our correlation meetings at 11 and I was getting immediately into my car with my lunch packed, ready to go, going straight to the doors because I knew, Hey, if I can get one extra hour on the doors more than everyone else, when they go back to the apartments or go take a lunch break, that's giving me time. Then when night, <clears throat> night came, it's eight thirty, nine o'clock, whenever I'm saying I'm going a half hour extra. Why? Cause now I have an hour and a half extra than everyone else to potentially get more sales. And I was away from my family more that summer. I was paying the piper. I was paying my dues. I was earning my stripes because I had never been past that 300 mark. And so I said, in order to do that, I got to do, so- I got to do more. And then once I got there, now I'm able to say, I did it. I broke through. Now I can have a more sustainable lifestyle, so to speak, and still hit my goals. But uh, until you get there, you do have to pay your dues. So it, it was what I would say. You got to break through that wall, that mental barrier. Yeah, I feel like I I remember hearing a story one time where like there was someone in the office that you were competing with and like you showed up to correlation and they weren't there, right? And like, tell us that story. Yeah, so it was uh, a a guy I still compete with to this day. Uh, It was one of my co-managers at one time, Josh Burrell, absolute stud in the industry. And we were going back and forth and back and forth um, on numbers and he'd have a huge week and then I'd have a huge week, but it was always by a small margin. 
And I walked into correlation one day and, and my manager was up there giving the training and I sat down and I looked around and, and Josh wasn't there. I said, Hey, where's Josh at? And uh, my manager at the time said, Oh, he went out early. He said, he's going to sell more than you today. And so I, I grabbed my iPad right then, didn't say a word and just walked out, hopped in my car and laughed. <laughs> it was a little bit of a mic drop moment. Um, and honestly, to be straight with you, I don't even remember who sold more that week. Um, I did edge him out as far as personal sales the summer goes. Uh, shout out to Josh Willow pushing me there. But it was just a moment where, wait, he's out working. He's skipping correlation. Then I'm gone too. And I just got up and just left. Just out. It was, I, it was, it. I love that great story. Culture. Great culture of competition. Colin Cowherd says, um, one of the keys of greatness is to have a rival to chase. And that's something I'm kind of gleaning from you is that you're always picking someone to go compete with. If only like, you know, in your own mind or you're, you're yeah. looking at the top tier producers and you're like, I got to get into that, that group. Do you feel like that's helped you? Oh, absolutely. And, and it, it's kind of fun. Um, every single year of, uh, so for the last four years within our, our see, my senior region, um, I, I've been able to be the, the top producing rep. Um, and every year, there's someone new and my regional manager plays into my, my competitiveness. And every single year there's been, Oh, you got to watch out for this guy. He's coming for you. And they're always just an absolute stud coming, but it absolutely pushes me. I got them on my watch list. I'm keeping an eye on them. And those days where maybe they produce slower or have a down week, I'm looking somewhere else for somewhere else to stay. Even if these people don't know I'm competing with them, I'll say, okay, no one in my office is pushing me right now. I'm continually leading out. So what do I do? I'm going to go to my region. No one in my region is pushing me right now. I'm going to go to my senior region. No one's there. So I'm going to go to the company. And then when you get to the top company, I'm telling you, like I said, there's savages out there. If you try to maintain with the top one, two, three guys in the company, uh, you'll never be able to, <laughs> you'll never be able to, keep up, but it pushes you. So yes, competition and chasing a rival and having someone to go against, whether they know you're competing with them or not, just mentally me saying, who is this guy? I don't even know this guy's name. I'm, he's selling more than me. I'm going to beat him, you know? Um, in the, and it, it, it's friendly competition, but y'all. Yeah. I love that. I absolutely love that because reps might find themselves in a situation where they're the top performer in the office, you know, and, the, and that's when reps will get complacent. They yep. kind of compare themselves to people that don't perform as well as them. And it gives yeah. them a false sense of security when in reality, it's like, from what I'm gathering from you, no matter what level you hit, you're always looking up and being like, Kate, hey, how do I compete with those guys? Yeah, absolutely. That's the thing. You, and it, you're, you're so right. The idea of complacency is so toxic, especially among, uh, amongst first years and rookies, because they sometimes look at the top producers and go, oh, well, that's them. That's not me. Um, I'll never be able to do that. And then they look around and they see, well, this guy bageled and that guy bageled, so it's okay that I do it. Yeah. But that's never okay. My first year, it was never about, I never wanted to even be labeled a rookie. It was about, I want to be on a higher level, I want to compete with the veterans. I love that. And then something else you said that I love was about just like going through the process and, you know, the rudiments of drumming. Because I think a lot of uh, new sales reps and new entrepreneurs and business owners and people that want to accomplish great things, they see like the results of great accomplishment in other people and they see the glamour and all that. And what they don't see is just the nasty, gnarly, repetitive, uh, monotonous grind that you go yeah. through. Well, and, and, and so that goes right back to the drumming analogy. Everyone looks, everyone's gone to a concert and they've seen the drummer, you know, with the long hair and the sweat and he's just beating on the drum set and they say, that's what I want to do. 
I want to yeah. be that guy. But what they don't know is that guy's been in a dark room for year after year, just rudiments, basics, over and over. And so they see the glamour and they see the hype and they see at the end of the year, I go up on the award ceremony and they recognize me and, oh, this is top right. They say, I want to be that guy. I'm going to do what he does. What they don't know is what it takes to get to that stage, to get on that throne, to sit and beat those drums the way they do. You got to go to the nasty basics. Yeah, I love that because, I mean, we, we see it every year. We're both managers and recruiters and leaders. So we always get reps that are like, yeah, I want the cars. I want the house. I want the financial freedom. I want to travel. I want all of those things. And then the reality of what it takes to get their sets in. And a lot of times they don't even stick it out for a summer. You know, they dip and there's just that disconnect. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's the idea is that, uh, you know, kind of like, uh, what ET says, everyone wants to be a beast. So it comes time to be, do what beasts do. And that's the idea is that if you're willing to earn your stripes then you can come do it too, but too many guys are talk, 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 and not enough action behind it. So you, you've, you've gone through the process of becoming, you know, a producer and a top one percenter in your personal sales. And then you've had the opportunity to also recruit and build teams and now mentor other people in that process. So in your experience, why don't, why doesn't everybody maximize their potential? What prevents people from becoming their best selves and performing at the highest level? Okay, so I, I mean, I, I would say, just kind of thinking over the question, there's, there's probably three different things that would go into the reason why a particular rep or even a manager doesn't fully maximize their potential. Um, the first thing I think it would probably be confidence, okay? Um, it's kind of funny, I'll, I'll knock with first years or rookies or guys who are struggling and they think that there's like some secret pitch or some magic bullet or whatever it may be that, Hey, you know, this, this guy, he's got, he's doing something that I'm not, he's saying something I'm not. When in reality, I'm doing exactly what I'm training the guys on. They come out with me and I, it's almost, it's not offensive, but it's just kind of, it makes me kind of smirk a little bit when I knock with the first year and he says, well, you don't do anything that different. You're not that good. Like it's not, I say the same thing. And I'm like, okay, great. Yeah. Hundred then. Um, the biggest differentiator between a top producer and a top manager versus kind of just the rank and file and the guys who do the averages is just a, a sense of confidence. I, I have a confidence in myself that every day um, I know I go out expecting to sell. I have every intention to sell. There's no reason I'm not going to sell today when I go out. I have a confidence in my product. And what I'm selling, I have a confidence in the areas I'm working. I've, you know, oh, Jordan, I need new area. Please, can you get me new area? I'm like, I'm still working the same hood for the last three and a half, four weeks. Like, <laughs> I'm doing better in my area now because I'm buckling down and working harder in it. And it's a confidence in my area, my product, my pitch, and of course, confidence in the system and the industry that I work. And I know it's a well-oiled machine that the product's good enough. I use it on my own home that I'm comfortable going out and selling it. So I think number one is probably confident. Uh, as you know, that's kind of a, it's a tough question. And if I've talked with my co-managers and with my managers and said, if there was one thing I wish I could train on better, if there was something that I could uh, really learn how to teach a tangible skill, I wish I could teach confidence. And that's like the hardest thing to train on. It's like, no, you're awesome. You are good. You are a great salesman. And affirmations are important, but you just kind of have to confidence breeds more confidence. Success breeds more success. So you have to get out there, put yourself out there like we talked about, earn your stripes. Uh, second thing like we talked about as well, I think, is vision. The idea that a lot of guys just 
think that there's this status quo and this is what I'm supposed to do as a first year or a sophomore or as a veteran or this is what I've done before and they don't break past their mental barriers and say this is the next step um, where for me it was like you know 100 200 300 my first year one two and three it was always about well naturally this is the next step even though, you know, I had people around me, there were a couple of people who had done 200 or quite a few that did 200, even less that had done 300, but breaking through and seeing that vision and capturing that vision was huge. And then I think the third thing would probably be contentment. I think it's uh, the most toxic thing uh, any sales rep or entrepreneur can deal with is being satisfied or content. The idea is we want to always be happy. My wife gives me a hard time about this because she's always like, when's it enough? When will it be enough? And I say, never. And she says, well, how do you live your life like that? And I say, no, no, I'm always happy, but I am never content. Always be happy, never content. So no matter where you are in your career, your industry, whatever you're doing, be happy with what you're doing and be satisfied with it, but don't be content and always be striving for more. Sorry, I think you, I lost there. Um, yeah, hey, let's sorry. do a quick mic test. There's like a whistling. Can you hear that? It's my fire alarm in my uh, uh, in my uh, apartment complex. It went off. I can try to step outside, but it might be louder. So. It, your fire alarm's going off. That's for that's annoying. Well, hang on one second. Let me see if it's quieter outside here. <laughs> this thing goes off at like three in the morning. So, dude, we had a we had a complex uh, one year that was doing it. it here we it's go. I'll fine, get out. Honestly. Okay. It's, it's um, probably a, probably a vivid fire. Right? Yeah. yeah right. Right. <laughs> there we go. A little um, quieter out here. So we'll go. Heck yeah. Yeah. I, I love that, man. Honestly, like I, I remember I had a year, a rep one year that did not really know the product at all. He had just gone out there, but for some reason he was just so sure that he was going to be successful, that he would just sell. And then on the flip side, I've had reps where it's like, they literally know everything. Like they're perfectly positioned to go dominate, but they're like insecure about filling out paperwork and they just, they're just not confident. And I, I agree. Confidence like correlates to everything. Absolutely. It's, it's a confidence uh, vision, being able to know there's more and then just not being content. It's just it, that. You want, you want three little steps to expanding and maximizing your potential. Just be more confident, right? Have a bigger goal and then don't be satisfied. I think even from your book, Adam, The Six Figure Summer, I think there's no better way to describe it than having an insatiable appetite for more, okay? And that's where you should be. Uh, you're never satisfied. No matter what, I go sell six in a day. Guess what? I'm mad I didn't get seven. I go do three in a day. I'm mad I didn't get four. You know, that, that's just it's never enough. Yeah. And I agree. It's not that like, it's not, it's not unhealthy or like we're never happy, but it's just always this healthy discontent, you know, like yeah. a, like a, like a rubber band that's stretched. You just always want a little bit more and you're constantly pushing yourself. I love that. Yeah. Absolutely. You stay, you always be happy, never content. That's, that's the whole idea. Always happy though, with where you're at. Always happy, never content. I love that. And then with vision, that's another thing I hit on hard in the six figure summer is this principle of perception where it's like, if you can internalize a vision and actually believe it, then everything kind of starts falling into place. As long as you're putting in the work, once you have that perception, like, you know what, I could be in the top, you know, five of my industry. I could be a top one percenter and I will, then it just starts happening. And it's been cool yep. to see that with you. 
Absolutely. I totally agree. That's awesome. Um, so let me ask you this. What do you feel like, uh, as far as like sales, cause a lot of people listening to this are specifically in sales. Like what differentiates you on the door? What do you, as a sales rep, like, what do you feel like allows you to sell so much more than, than other people? So <clears throat> I'll be the first to sit here and say, like, I don't think I'm the best salesman um, ever. Um, what differentiates me and what differentiates, I feel like a lot of top producers is consistency. Um, the idea that anyone can randomly go out and have a big day. Anyone can go out and have a, you know, an alarm's a big day is like a five day, right? A four or five day. Anyone can accidentally go do that. Just, you know, momentum's on their side, the stars align, everything is good to go. Um, but what the difference is, is just consistently doing that over and over and over again. So I've always told guys, like, I'll get a text from someone saying, hey, I'm coming for you this week. And I'll say, yeah, you might beat me. Um, but long term, if this, is a, if this is a sprint, I'm going to get beat because I'll consistently do two or three days every single day all summer. And the way the summer uh, program is set up, that puts you at 300. So maybe someone goes out and does a 20 week and I only had my 15 or 14 weeks. But guess what? It's the idea of continually doing that over and over. It's pacing yourself where this is not, we're not sprinting and stopping and sprinting and stopping. This is a long marathon. The summertime and sales in general, the marathon. And just like my regional manager who told me, no one takes you seriously until you sell 200. I would say no one takes you seriously until you're consistent. Until you can consistently throw in big boy numbers as we call them in our office. But um, there's a difference between talent and skill. Uh, some guys are just naturally talented. They have the silver tongue. They're, they're uh, good at sales. They have experience there. And then there's skill. Guys who might not be that talented, but they buckle down. They, again, they sit back down on the drum pad and they go through the rudiments. And I think the difference with me is I'm not very talented, but I'm very highly, highly skilled. I know my craft. I know what I'm good at. And if you go against me in a long race, I, 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 I'm going to beat you. And that's the mindset I have. Um, and so that would, I would say, be what kind of differentiates me from other reps is maybe not the most talented, maybe not the best when it comes to like a sprint, but long term, um, I'm going to consistently throw down the same numbers week after week after week. So how, how do you stay consistent? Because that's something I, I talk about in the six figure summer and that being a key to becoming a top 1% performer. And I think especially in sales and entrepreneurship, you see that a lot where people vacillate, they're motivated and they're juiced and they go dominate and then they're yeah. motivated and it's up and down and up and down. So what is your key to consistency? Well, so what I would actually say, and I actually do a full training on this with my guys, I try to hit on it multiple times and I kind of like the motion and I draw it on the board and I say, hey guys, you know, everyone knows, oh, this sales, it's a roller coaster. You're up and you're down and you're up and you're down and you're up and you're down. However, I'm, I'd, I'd argue and I'd say that's incorrect. And I would say this job is as consistent as can be. It is the same thing. That, it's a straight line. Same thing day after day after day. What's, what's the variable is us. Yeah. We're the ones who are up and down. So people say, oh, this job's a roller coaster. I say, no, it's not. We're doing <laughs> the same thing we did yesterday that we did last week and the same thing we did last month we're going to do next month. And it's the same. We're, we're, it's Groundhog Day over and over again. We're going to go do the same thing. I've been in the same area for the last five years managing a team going back to the same neighborhood i take the same exit and i knock the same doors with the same people right it's not the job it's us it's our mental game so the key to staying consistent what i would say is you don't want to keep <clears throat> this job is very emotional you want to 
you don't want your highs to be too high and you don't want your lows to be too low. So you go out and you have a huge day. Guy sell seven on Memorial Day and he says, oh man, I'm the man. He's beating his chest. He's coming to the meeting. You know, he's doing backflips and all that. That's great. But guess what? You're back at zero today. And when you go out today and you only sell one, that one is going to feel, it's going to be a shadow of what you did the day before and you're going to beat yourself up. And so you're going to go from up here to down here. And then you're going to go have another big day. And so what I tell my guys is just as consistent, just as a straight line as this job is, so should your mental game be. Your highs need to be leveled out with your lows. And so, <clears throat> excuse me, even though sometimes it sucks to beg a little couple days in a row, you don't need to beat yourself up over that. And sometimes it's cool to do a hat trick after hat trick after hat trick. Don't feel too cool because you're back at zero the next day. So you got to keep your head and your mental game as consistent as this job is, is what I would say, is a trick to consistency. <clears throat> I love it. I love it. Um, what advice would you give to a brand new sales rep or entrepreneur? Okay. I think the, the best thing I can do, and it's, you know, you'll hear this all over every self-help and every, uh, any type of, uh, motivational thing is get rid of your plan B. Okay. Um, if this is what you're going to do, plan B only gets in the way of plan A. If you have in the back of your mind that, well, I'm going to try this. I'm, I'm going to give it a shot. Um, but if it doesn't work out, my dad's got an internship lined up for me back home or my buddy does this and he's got a job for me, or I can just go back to school and do this. When you commit to something, uh, have integrity to yourself. Okay. Uh, have integrity to the fact that you made the choice and you made the decision to finish what you started. Um, if you have a plan B, then always in the back of your mind, whether you tell yourself it won't be, it's there. And it's always a safety net. I, I like to compare it to, um, as meat-headed as this will sound, in, in the gym, in weightlifting, I've noticed that uh, that when you're when I'm working out alone, okay, and I'm I'm putting up, let's say, a heavier weight, um, I almost do better when I don't have a workout partner. Why? Because when that weight is crushing down on me, I have the fear of death or the fear <laughs> of pushing that weight back up, and having no option but to push it up is something very helpful for me. Now, there are certain circumstances where I will call someone over, hey, can you spot me? I'm trying to get a new personal record or whatever. And that's important to have because you don't want to die. But <laughs> when I'm alone and everyone else is around, they're watching me push up weight and no one's there to help me, I'm going to push that weight up because I'm not going to be embarrassed and I'm not going to die. And so having a plan B or having a spotter, so to speak, as far as a safety net or a crutch enables you to uh, – slack on your performance to think there's another option and to subliminally or subconsciously without even thinking about it, uh, already give up on the day. Uh, it would be, I'd say, get rid of your plan B. If that, if you have a plan B, get rid of it. The, the whole, uh, you know, every summer, every summer sales, every sales job is about burning your ship. Uh, go with that. Burn that ship. You are here to conquer. And that is all. Uh, there's no other option. We're not going home. We either conquer or we die. It's, it's like Will Smith says, if, if you and I get on a treadmill together, we're competing, you're either getting off first or I will die. Those are I will die, yes. That would be a mantra I'd live my life by. And it's like, look, it's, it's die or they give up. You know, whatever yeah. it is, if that's, you know, you're going to beat, you're going to mentally beat this job, the job will give up before you give up. I love that. The job gives up before you give up. I, I had one of my recruits recruited somebody just recently, actually. And they were like, yeah, so-and-so is going to come out. They're going to try it. Um, 
his parents actually live like only 30 minutes away. So like if it doesn't work out, he'll probably just go finish the summer with them and just kind of hang out. I'm like, oh, I, I already know how this ends. Like, <laughs> don't even come out at that point. You, it's already, you already told me what is going to happen right now. Exactly. Yeah. Cause it's like, you're, they're going to have a few rough days. It's going to get gnarly. They're going to get pushed to their limits and they're yep. going to pull the ripcord and, and yep. nail. And, and I love that. I, 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 I've noticed with my top reps and even me myself, when you're back against the ropes and you have nowhere else to go, that's when you're going to perform the best. You know, yeah. even, and even within the job, let's say you got rid of your plan B, um, but financially you're a little bit strapped. I have a couple guys in that situation. Hey, you know, can you help me out here? Can we bump it up? Can we get a little advanced, whatever? And I tell them, I don't want to do that for you. Why? Yeah. Because your performance is tied to your pay. And I'd love to see you go get yourself out of this hole by going and knocking extra hours or working harder, or pushing yourself, because guess what? You're up against the rope the punches are wailing in you and guess what? You're going to either have to defend yourself or you're going to die. And most of the time I've seen people don't die. Yeah. <laughs> they, they evolve, don't they? They evolve. Yeah. That, that's one of the things I love about you, uh, Jordan, because I guarantee, you know, there's been times where you're, you're number one in the region by a long shot. You know, you've already cleared more accounts than anyone else in the region. You know, senior region will sell for the whole summer. And you're already sitting on a quarter million dollar summer and you're, you're set. Like everything's great. Any other person it's like, would be like, dude, this is amazing. And, and yet if you were to go observe you on the doors, you would think that like you were selling for your life or just yeah. your mindset is just, I got to go perform or literally I am going to die. You know, that's your mentality. Even though the reality is you've already won, like you've already dominated, you're already set, but you're, you're constantly pushing yourself. I would say too, kind of like, and that's the battle at the end of the year for a lot of guys. I, 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 I use the, the analogy at the end of the summer. It's like, especially when guys have hit their pay skills or hit their goals or whatever. Um, it's the difference between a lot of money and a lot of money. Like is $230,000 really that different than $270,000? Like, I don't know. Is it that big of a difference when you're talking, when you're away from your family or you just want to go home or you're just done with the job? Is it really worth it? It's like, Hey, this is already a lot of money. But the idea is have integrity to yourself, okay? You made a goal. You made a commitment. Finish what you started. And again, going back to the very first question you asked, if you're going to do this, why not be the best or try to be the best? And there are a ton of excuses that will come your way. And so you need to, like the Iron Cowboy says, you have to have a bag of why. Because if your goal is your only why, it's not going to work. If the money is the only why, it's not going to work. If competition is, if a chip on your shoulder or all the other reasons you're out here doing this, if you only have one of those, it's not going to work because in the heat of battle at the very end, when you're sitting on a quarter of a million dollars and you're already the man and you've already gotten top reps, whatever, guess what? It's now about having integrity to yourself and doing what you said you were going to do. And, and that's how I live my life. It's like, I don't want, I wouldn't want my kids to throw in the towel early on something they did. So how am I going to rightfully tell them not to do that if I'm doing that? Right. So it's about being true to yourself. I love that. What advice would you give to a veteran, someone that's been in the sales or entrepreneurial game for a minute, that's trying to take it to the next level? Um, so we've probably heard the saying, um, this is what I tell my veteran reps a lot. Um, you know, it's important to have the skill of sales. Um, it's important to be a hard worker. It's important to know your product. But the ultimate superpower in this job is the tolerance for monotony. Um, and we need to go back to what we said before, where 
we are in Groundhog Day in sales, whether you're in car sales or pests or solar or alarms, it's basically the same thing every single day. And if you're able to push past the, the grind that is a monotonous sales gig over and over again and just kind of have a switch on my mind that I just kind of flip off and go, okay, autopilot time, let's go, we're doing it again. If you can build up a tolerance for monotony, um, you're gonna do wonders in this job because half the time, the reason people don't perform is mental burnout or because um, you know they just can't stand anymore. They're going crazy, right? So if you can build up that tolerance, you're gonna do great things. And then I think, um, again, going back to the meat-headed nature of that sometimes this industry does bring, I, I, love, I, love, I love The Rock, uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. I don't think anyone can't not like The Rock, but you know, I follow him on He's always popping on and saying, here we are, just landed 5 a.m., we're getting shredded, and he's like on his elliptical. <laughs> he's already shredded to the gills, like just the strongest guy, everybody's still working hard. And his mantra is, be humble, hungry, and always be the hardest worker in the room. And I think for that, um, there are three things we can think about from that. Obviously, there's three parts. Be humble. Um, even though you're the man now, Mr. You know, sales rep, veteran sales rep, year two, three, four, you're the man, I know, but you need to be teachable and you need to be humble because guess what? The industry is constantly evolving. There's constant changes, whether it's in company policies or customers or the economy or whatever it may be. So you need to take advice from people who are doing better. We got a couple um, – Within my own office right now, we have some uh, veteran sales reps who have done it three, four years um, who aren't showing up to our rookie meetings. And again, they're rookie trainings, but they're open for everyone. But what I'm seeing is our top producers, our real veteran guys, are showing up to those meetings. They're going out and selling two, three a day. And these other guys are kind of being the cool kids on campus walking in. Oh, no, I already know this. I've heard this training before, Jordan. You've managed me for three years. I already know this one. Been there, done that. Be humble. Okay, if you're a veteran sales rep, be humble, be willing to hear the same training over and over again because you're going to take something new from it and be able to be coachable from your managers, especially if they're outperforming you and be okay with getting advice from those new guys who might be outperforming. Because sometimes what you need is a fresh rookie with that open, I can conquer the world mindset to get you out of your slump. Okay. Second thing, be hungry. Okay, like I said, never satisfied. Insatiable appetite, like we say in your book. Um, there's no reason for you not to want more constantly. Be happy, okay, but not content. Be hungry for more always. And then always be the hardest worker in the room. When you go to correlation the next day, sit down, look around, and make sure you say, he didn't work harder than me. He didn't work harder than me. She didn't work harder than me. And whoever it is, because you need to be able to tell yourself, I'm working harder than everyone, so my results should be better than everyone. Uh, eventually, if it doesn't all come at once. So, again, uh, going through the ultimate summer sales bro, uh, God, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, I would say <laughs> is always the hardest worker in the room. I love it, man. Well, Jordan, thanks so much, homie. Do you have any other closing thoughts or any, any advice or things you'd share? I mean, I think we, we've kind of gone over it, guys. Uh, I, I apologize for my, my fire alarm going off mid-podcast. <laughs> it wasn't too loud. Um, I was just trying to ignore it, but it turns out you guys heard it too. So um, what I would say, though, is that it's a grind. Uh, we know what we need to do. Okay, be confident in what you're doing. Be confident what you're selling. Believe in it. And again, just put your head down and get to work. I will take a hard worker over a silver tongue, charismatic sales professional any day. You give me the hardest worker in the room, I want him on my team. Why? Because ultimately, that's what this job comes down to. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Jordan. We're going to keep exposing you guys to top performers so that their influence can rub off on you. And this is, this is pure gold, man. There's no way that this, this content that you've shared – 
doesn't help people level up their game, maximize their potential, and have their six-figure summer. So thanks a ton, Jordan. Hey, no problem. Talk to you. Okay, see ya.